so I woke you all up. You're feeling a bit damp. Um, a couple of weeks ago, it was my eldest daughter's 18th birthday, which I know is really hard to believe, but there you go. And we had various discussions as to how we were going to go and, and celebrate it. We thought, should we have a party? You know, should we go out for a meal? What, have you, what should we do? And we decided that we were going to have a day at the beach, which um, is a beach just north of Barmouth, where we've been a lot of times as a family. And it's a beach that the kids really like. And um, we thought, yep, yeah, we'll go and have a day at the beach. And Laura knew that she was going, but what she didn't know was that I invited about 20, 25 other people to come with us to make a day of it. So I was doing a few sort of covert phone calls and Facebook messages and uh, texts and stuff to, to arrange this. But you know, at the back of your mind, whenever you do anything like this, there's a big factor, isn't there? What's the weather going to do? You can make all the plans in the world, but this is Britain, and what's the weather going to do? So about 10 days before, you can get the long-range weather forecast on the internet. So I went on to Yahoo Weather and looked up what it was going to do a week on Saturday. And it didn't look that good, so I went on the BBC to see if theirs was any better. <laughs> that wasn't that funny, was it? <laughs> so anyway, as it got a bit nearer, I was watching the weather, watching the weather, and eventually it sort of said that on the Saturday it was going to be uh, cloudy but dry. I thought, well, it's April, maybe cloudy but dry is the best we're going to do. So we sent the message round, yep, we'll go for it. So we left on the Saturday morning to a clear blue, totally cloudless sky, headed to Wales in a little convoy, but Laura didn't know it was a convoy. <laughs> <laughs> we had one or two near misses in Welsh pool, but we won't go there. And, you know, we got to the beach and we'd got the windbreak. And we thought, oh, we don't really need the windbreak. It's not windy at all. And actually we had probably the best weather on that beach that we've ever had ever. It was fantastic. The sky was truly cloudless the whole day. And a lot of people got sunburned, but that was their own fault. <laughs> oh, I didn't. <laughs> Do you sometimes wish you could have a bit of control over the weather? Because, you know, I went around that day saying, well, of course I ordered it. You know, I've been praying about this for months. And obviously God, you know, listens to my prayers and, you know, we have a really nice sunny day. But do you ever sort of wish that you really, really did have control of the weather? You've got a wedding coming up or a barbecue and you just really want it to be nice. In the Old Testament, there was a guy called Elijah. And he was kind of allowed control over the weather for a short period of time. Israel was under the leadership of King Ahab and they turned away from the one true God and they were worshipping Baal. Baal was supposed to be responsible for, among other things, fertility. So you can imagine some of the things that were going on in the name of worship. God was not pleased with Israel and so in 1 Kings 17, Elijah the prophet of God went to see Ahab and declared, As surely as the Lord God of Israel lives, the God who I worship and serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years unless I say so. Can you imagine that as a declaration against the king? The king's supposed to be in charge, yet here's this man who has the nerve to say that he's in charge of the weather until further notice. If this were to happen in the UK, you can imagine there wouldn't be too many problems for a week or two. A barbecue summer would be declared. Not like the one we were supposed to have last year, I mean a proper one. 
People would be cancelling their expensive flights abroad and the tourist industry in Weymouth would be thriving. But this was not fun in Israel. Riverbeds began to dry up, livestock died, the land became barren and dry, famine set in. God even had to intervene miraculously to save the life of his own prophet. This all culminated in a contest on top of a mountain called Carmel between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Two sacrifices were laid out on altars. There were no matches allowed. The God who sent down fire from heaven, they agreed, would be hailed as the true God. So the prophets of Baal tried. They tried really, really very hard. That's weird, isn't it? <laughs> okay. The prophets of Baal tried really hard, but the sacrifice remained untouched. Elijah's was burnt to a crisp. God was hailed as the one true God, and the evil prophets were put to death by the sword in the valley next door. So here's Elijah in the valley, surveying the scene. Can you imagine 450 dead bodies that have all been killed by a sword? Not a pretty picture. But let's think about the bigger picture. These people represented the idolatry and the sin of Israel. These people had intentionally led people away from the worship of God to the worship of Baal. And here they all were, chopped up in pieces on the floor. All the sin, the sickness they represented was dead. And Elijah heard something. And he says to Ahab, he said, you go and get yourself a really good meal because I can hear the sound of a mighty rainstorm. If you're an a sort of a King James Version person, you'll have the phrase, I can hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Can you almost sense his excitement? What was Elijah hearing, really? Could he hear literal drops of rain? Were the thunder and lightning cracks in the distance? No, the sky was still blue and cloudless. What Elijah heard was deep in his spirit. He knew that the rain had stopped because there was a battle going on between Israel and God, a battle between idolatry and true worship. That battle had been won. There was no reason now for it not to rain. And Elijah heard deep inside himself the sound of rain. So based on what he heard in his spirit, he said to Ahab, you go and get ready. You get your tea, mate, because you've got to prepare for what's to come. Then he sent his servant to go and look for signs of what he'd heard. So the servant goes out and he goes over towards the beach and he has a look. And a bit like the other Saturday, not a cloud in the sky. Comes back to Elijah, no, there's nothing there. The second time, no. Third time, well, have you had a really good look? Have you opened the cupboards? Have you looked underneath things, you know? Have you really, really, really looked properly? Yep, no, there's nothing there. Fourth time, fifth time, sixth time. Can you imagine what might have been going on in Elijah's head at this point? You know, I'm sure I heard it. The seventh time, <coughs> excuse me, the servant comes back and he says, well, you know what? I can just see just the tiniest little wisp. You can't really call it a cloud. It's only about this big. But it's a tiny wisp of a cloud. Elijah said, yes, I've heard the sound. I've seen evidence of what I've of what I've heard, it's time to move. And soon the rain clouds begin to gather. And for me, this part of the story is so much about hearing and seeing in that order. 
There's something about hearing first. Hearing's important. Hearing is just as a reliable sense as sight. We hear far more than we can see. Have you ever sat in the garden on a summer's day and you're in your deck chair and you hear a plane? And you always look up, don't you? I do anyway. You know, Invariably, you don't see the plane the first time you look up, do you? You sort of look and then, some, you know, sometimes you never see it because there's a cloud or there's a tree or something in the way, but you know what you've heard and you know that the plane is there. We can hear far more than we can see. Romans 10:17 says, Faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Faith comes from what? From seeing evidence? No, from hearing. Elijah's faith came not from the reports of his servant, but the sound of the rain that he heard in his spirit. So if your faith feels a bit weak to you, you might want to think about what are you hearing. You might want to think about what you're hearing, not just in a sort of... Is that me? Sorry. You might want to think what are you hearing in not sort of just a physical sense, but also in a spiritual sense. You might think, what are you listening to? What words are you, have you had said over you that you're perhaps paying more attention to than you should? If your faith seems weak, what are you hearing? What are you listening to? A couple of weeks ago in Life Group, we were looking at John 10, and Jesus is described as the good shepherd, and this is why it says, I assure you, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than go through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. For a, a shepherd enters through the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name. Okay, Ooh, that's different, isn't it? Let me read that again. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than goes through the gate must surely be a thief or a robber. For a servant enter, a shepherd sorry, enters through the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they recognize his voice. Not because they recognize the clothes he's got on or his smell or the design of the tea towel he has on his head, but because he recognized his voice. He's starting to get a picture of just how important hearing is. So what are you hearing? I'm not really talking here about what God is saying to you about you, although that's important. I'm asking you, what are you hearing in your spirit? Do you hear the sound of a mighty rainstorm coming in your life, in our church, in the nation or across the earth? <coughs> the rain in the story of Elijah represented life. It was salvation to the people. It was God's blessing. It was the Holy Spirit. It was withheld by God through Elijah in order to bring about repentance and a turning away from the worship of Baal. Without the rain, the people were dying. The rain literally was their salvation. So what's the spiritual climate like in your life, in our church, in our nation? Only you can answer that for you. Only we can be responsible for the climate in ourselves and in our church. What about the nation? Are we a nation that's turned away from worshipping the true God and turned to idolatry? Are we a nation that upholds righteousness or sin? Do we live in a spiritual desert, dry or barren? 
are the rivers of spiritual life drying up in the UK? You know, I saw something on the telly the other day that made me sort of smile and sort of a bit worried. Um, it was advertising a new programme that's going to be on the telly that's going to be done by Stephen Hawking, you know, Professor Stephen Hawking, the guy in the wheelchair. And um, it was basically about his, his vision for, for the world, I think, or something. But it's like, he said that he believes in aliens and he believes that we can travel in time. And then it says, you know, hear this, it, he's like, you know, the most amazing brain in the world or the most amazing mind in the world. And I thought, how do they know that? And it worries me a bit when someone who is supposed to be the most amazing brain in the world, most amazing mind in the world, believes in aliens and believes we can travel in time. And we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and has risen from the dead and we're supposed to be mad. You know, have we lost the plot or not in this country? Do you think that's what God wants? Is this his long-term plan? What does it look like when the reign of God comes down? Is it all about fantastic times of worship and experiencing God's presence? Has anybody ever been to Soul Survivor? Yeah. Or one or two, mainly over this side of the room. (laughs) Okay, anyone who's ever been to Soul Survivor will know that dust plus rain is mud. Exactly. And anyone who's lived over in Grange Crescent the last few years and been flooded will know that it's not pretty. Lots of things get stuck, mud, rubbish goes all over the place. We don't have to think when the blessing of God comes, it's all going to be glory and hallelujah. It could be very, very messy, very muddy. Things could get very stuck. So what do you hear? When I was writing this talk, because God kind of dropped a few thoughts in my mind that have led to this about four weeks ago and I got to here and I thought I'm sure God wants to say a bit more than this but I'm kind of stuck got stalled a bit really and I didn't really know where to take it next and then I um, got asked to drive down to Heathrow about 10 days ago and pick somebody up um, very early in the morning it gave me an hour and a half two hours something like that um, to really sit and think about this and to pray and to seek God about it And I felt that God really challenged me and said, well, what do you hear? Do you, do I hear the sound of a mighty rainstorm coming? Or have I got used to living in a dried up spiritual desert? And this is what I believe God said to me in the car going down the M40. So think about it, test it, and see what you think God says to you about it. When I say this, I'm going to use the word we a lot, the term we. When I say that I am generalising, I'm not saying this applies to every Christian or to everyone in the UK or everyone in our church, but I do believe it's a reasonable generalisation. So here goes. This is what I believe God said to me. In the last decade of the 20th century, 1990s, that were, we heard the sound of rain over our churches, over our nation. We heard the sounds of revival, the coming Holy Spirit. So we prayed for it. We looked for signs of it. At one point, we even thought it was coming over from Canada. But on the whole, we didn't see the full evidence of what we were looking for. We didn't see the spiritual change that we thought was coming in the way that we thought it would come. We got disappointed and gradually, 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 we stopped hearing. Perhaps we stopped praying for it. We certainly stopped expecting it. And we started to rely more on what our eyes could see than what our ears could hear. We started to get used to living in the desert. 
So the first decade of the 21st century, we, got, we were used to living in this desert. We came to expect, well, not very much. We've often allowed our faith to be defined by the barrenness we see all around, not by hearing the sound of rain. And I think this has largely defined us in this first decade. But the first decade of the 21st century has gone, or it will have gone by the end of this year, or maybe it went by the beginning of this year. I've never really kind of got that. And I have to say, I don't want anyone to come and explain it to me after because I'm really not that interested. But how do we... How do we want to define the next decade or the one we've just entered? Do we want to continue to look around at the desert or do we want to hear the sound of rain? I want to hear the sound of rain. Because when we hear the rain, we remember who's in charge. When we hear the rain, we're expectant. When we hear the rain, we know change is coming. And I'm not just talking about the Conservative Party. When we hear the rain, we'll pray. When we hear the rain, our faith will rise and God will be able to act in accordance with our faith. Will we see the rain? I don't know. Only God knows how long it will take for a rebellious nation to turn back to him. You see, when we read stories in the Bible like Elijah and we know that that famine went on for about three years, But in the middle of it, Elijah didn't know that. He didn't know it was going to be six months, three years, 25 years. He didn't know. In one sense, it doesn't matter whether I see the rain or not. But if I don't see the rain in my lifetime, I want to make sure that I leave a legacy of faith that will make it possible for my children to see the rain in theirs. Because if we don't hear the rain and we get used to living in the desert, then what we pass on to the next generation is the people who are expecting just to live in the desert forever and ever. And we don't want to do that, do we? I want this decade to be defined not by the sight of a desert, but by the sound of an abundance of rain. If you do too, I'd like you to just stand and I'm going to pray for that. And then the band are going to lead us further in worship and ministry. So I want you to think about that for yourself. You know, does any of that apply to you? Have you got used to living in this desert, with this desert landscape? Have you forgotten what it's like to let your faith rise up and believe for something that's better, believe for something that's more? You know, if we join all ourselves together, we become the church, don't we? You know, it's easy to say, oh, well, I'm okay, but the church... Well, you are the church, so hey, you know. Us joined together have to lift our own faith as well to hear the reign of God. And as we do that and as we take responsibility, then as I say, by the increase in our faith, God will be able to act. So let's pray.